God wants you to experience the life that He designed. We can't allow life to kill the dream that we dream. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You will look back on your life and you'll say, man, life is good. The Word of God brings the abundant life into focus and within your grasp. As you listen, open your heart and discover life. Oh, God is in the house. 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 Every eye on Jesus, not on man. Eyes on Jesus, not on man. Eyes on Jesus, not on man. For I am unlocking mysteries. Mysteries in the house today. Mysteries in your life. Mysteries in your city. Mysteries in your state. Mysteries in your nation. Mysteries in the prisons. The prisons in those places. I am unlocking mysteries in those places that have been locked. I am unlocking them today. Today is the day of salvation for these places. The places in your heart. The places in your mind. The places in your 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 person. The places in your heart and your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your body, your, your relationships, your finances. Every place that there is on this earth. I am unlocking mysteries, unlocking mysteries, unlocking, let it go, open your hands, close your eyes, open your heart, let it go. I am unlocking those mysteries, those places that have been locked. I am unlocking them right now in the spirit. Believe it, receive it. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. This is no ordinary day. I'm telling you, church, this is no ordinary day. This is no ordinary day. Hallelujah. You are not here by accident. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for every person in this place. Thank you, God. Thank you that you are unlocking mysteries in their life. Come on, give up. like we've been declaring in our worship songs this morning, you know, Jesus Christ is the source of life. And he lives right in you. Uh, He's at the center of your life. Uh, I I know you've invited him in because he's your greatest desire. But you know, he's called the Word of God. And he lives right here. And he's empowered you to decide every circumstance in your life by just moving right up here into your mouth. And you can speak the Word of God and create the life that, uh, that, you, that God designed for you to have because Jesus Christ is the Word of God. And so that means any, any place that, that you don't like in your life, well, you can just start speaking the Word of God over that place. And it's actually Jesus Christ, is you're releasing Him to make changes in that area. Whatever it is, if you, need, if you need improvement in your health today, well, you know, Jesus said he, he took stripes on his body. He's already healed you. You need to speak that yourself. Uh, see, 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 you know, right in the, um, in, the, in the second chapter of Genesis, right in the center of the Garden of Eden was the tree of life. Well, that's Jesus Christ. Adam's problem was he, he, he went to the tree of the uh, knowledge of good and evil. We got that same choice today. Don't speak what the problem is. 
Speak the word of God out of your mouth, Jesus Christ uh, coming out. Uh, and, and, and it can be however you decide it's going to be, just like God says it should be in his word. You know, it, it, Jesus Christ said you've already been made rich. If you're having financial issues today, you need to speak that yourself. You said if I said that, that'd be a lie. No, that's what God says. If you say anything different than what God says, you're lying. Actually, you've been made rich. You know, sometimes people will reject you or or you'll reject yourself with natural thinking. But God says you're the cat's meow. You need to say that about yourself. See, your words create because it's not just your words. Jesus Christ is coming out of your mouth from the center of your life. Out of your mouth to change, to create your world. The creator of the universe wants to work with you to create your world today. Praise God. Praise God. Well, it's going to be some good days ahead then, won't it? Boy, why don't you greet your neighbor here and we'll move on. Well, praise God. We're all glad to have you here today. I should say I'm glad. I can't speak for everybody, but I'm glad you're here. We have a, at this time, we have a baby dedication or actually a young girl dedication. It's more of a young girl. So if um, the parents of Evangeline, Kate, Shelley would come on up, Um, you could bring your grandparents or your relatives, your mother, your father, everybody you want, come on up. Um, You know, we... uh, here at the church, we take ministry to kids really serious. Um, you know, they are our future. Uh, and we believe that God is a generational God, that he, he believes in generations. And um, he said, he always said, you and your children and your children's children be blessed. And so we believe in the blessing being passed on from generation to generation. And, um, you know, the Bible tells us that if we raise our kids up, in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, when they're old, they will not depart from it. And, uh, you know, a lot of churches, and I'm not critical of churches. It's not my job to judge churches. Um, my job is to judge me. How I many know that's true? And so I kind of mind my own business when it comes to churches. But, you know, some churches practice infant baptism. And so people ask me why we don't do it. And uh, I tell them that, well, first of all, the word baptism means to immerse. And so it'd be taking babies and immersing them. But, um, but they, they sprinkle more pour water on them. And they ask why we don't do that. And, and like I said, I'm not hostile about it, but there's really no scripture in the New Testament for it. That's why we don't do it. And, uh, but there is scripture in the New Testament for blessing children and blessing infants. And um, the Bible tells us that when the, they, the parents would bring children to Jesus. The disciples said, don't bother Jesus with these kids. 
But Jesus said, no, no, let them come here and forbid them not for of such is the kingdom. And then he would put his hands on them. He would bless them. And how many know that if he put his hands on and blessed them, they were blessed? Well, if Jesus was here, this is what I always say. If Jesus was here, what would he do? What would Jesus do? Jesus would see a little kid. They brought the kid to him. And what would he do? He put his hands on them and he'd bless them. And that's why we do it. And uh, we, are, we are acting in his stead. He said, in my name, do what I did. And so, you know, I'm not Jesus, but I act in his stead because he's not here. But I act in his stead using his name. I do the same thing that he would have done. And that means he would have put his hands on uh, this little child, young child, and he would bless, speak a blessing over them. And um, so I always ask the parents uh, to make a commitment also. And that is to raise this young lady, Evangeline, Kate, Shelley, up. Will you commit to raise this young child up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord? Do you uh, make a dedication that you'll set before this child an example of godly living? And will you lead this child to a, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ at a young age? Okay, well, let's all stand together and let's pray as my wife comes. She, I don't know how well. Will she go to my wife? If she doesn't, we can just lay our hands on her. We just speak a blessing. I believe that words have power. A lot of times people don't realize how powerful words are. But words have power. So, Lord, right now we just come before you on behalf of Evangeline Kate Shelley. We, we dedicate this child to you right now. We thank you, Lord, that she was born at this time. And, Lord, the call of God is upon this child's life. And, Lord, as her name goes, Lord, we just thank you that she shall be a proclaimer of your good news. Hallelujah. I pray, God, today that you will stir up something inside of her. Lord, I just pray, God, that the gift and callings of God that are unrevocable will be stirred inside of her right now. That there would be an awakening in this child to spiritual things and to things, the realm of the spirit, that she would know and discern, Lord, that what you're doing in the earth. And I just pray a protection over this child, that you'll keep her from all harm and danger, that she will uh, know good days and days that are filled with your blessing, that she will live long on the earth, and that she will be strong uh, physically, that she'll be a stalwart in, in spirit, Lord, that she'll be alert mentally and that she will be well physically all the days of her life, that she will not know sick days and days of despair and depression. She'll not know, but she'll know no days of peace and joy. Hallelujah. And, and, and days of the Holy Spirit. I just thank you, God, for that blessing. Now, I, I speak it over Evangeline Kate Shelley right now in the name of Jesus. And I just thank you for this family and giving this family wisdom, Lord, in raising this child. Let them have your eyes and your heart for this child, Lord. Let them see with your eyes the potential that you place in this child. In the name of Jesus, we bless her. And everybody that agrees, say amen. 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 God bless you, young lady. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. God bless you, sir. Is this your wife? Yes, this is Wendy. Nice to meet you. God bless you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes. Well, the Lord's good. Evangeline. That's awesome. Praise God.
I, um, I'm going to change the order of service a little bit. I uh, usually at this time receive an offering, but I want to pray. I'm going to pray for you at the end of the service for your finances. I'm going to speak a blessing. Or God spoke to me that I should speak a blessing over your finances as at the end. So I'm going to do something. I'm going to speak first. If you guys all all right with that? Uh, I do want to make one announcement so I don't forget it. That this week, you know, we start our um, Love After Marriage uh, seminar. It starts on Thursday night. And uh, if you are going to go to that, you need to sign up by tomorrow. So if you're going to go to it, tomorrow's the deadline. I think they sign up online, right? You go up online. Here's you two stand up, uh, um, Mary and uh, Ted. Stand, you can't stand up, Mary? Oh, you got a baby. Okay, sorry. So, so if you're interested in going and you don't know how to sign up, just talk to them after the service. They'll be in the back there. But get signed up by tomorrow because it'll, it'll change your marriage, change your life. And uh, we want everybody involved that, that can go to it. So it is a big commitment, but please sign up for it. If you can't afford it, I think it's over $300. If you can't afford it, talk to me before you talk to them. And uh, we'll figure out a way that you can get the money. But if you have the money, but you're spending it on ho-hos and ding-dongs, <laughs> stop eating them and then... I'm just joking, of course. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. I want to talk to you this morning again about this subject. Some things are just spiritual. Some things are just spiritual. And if you can see this graphic up there, maybe you should dim the light up for just a second. Can you have that water? Maybe you just dim the light so you can see this beautiful graphic my daughter made up. That's pretty good, isn't it? Some things are just spiritual. Not that dim. (laughs) Now you can brighten them again. Some things are just spiritual. You know, I tell people this all the time. You know, I believe in natural help. You know, I believe in going to doctors. You know, some people go, well, if you believe in healing, why do you go to doctors? My question is, if you don't believe in healing, why do you go to doctors? Because if you, a lot of people, they say, well, God made me sick. I said, he did. Then why did you go to the doctor to get rid of what God gave you? I know that sets people's minds spinning, but I always look at sickness as the enemy. And we're fighting sickness with natural means and spiritual means. Sickness is the enemy. Sickness is not a blessing from God. God never intended for people to be sick. Sickness came into the world through the fall when man fell And sin entered the world. Sickness came with it. It's its ugly twin brother from sin. It's sin's ugly twin brother, sickness. It's not a blessing from heaven. It never has been. Jesus, if it was a blessing from heaven, Jesus would have made people sick. But there's nowhere in the New Testament does it ever say Jesus made anybody sick. In fact, it says that he went about doing good, 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 healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. That's Acts 10, 38. So there, that verse calls sickness demonic oppression. It doesn't mean that the devil is actively involved in the sickness or that he's directly involved in the sickness, but he brought sickness into the world. And so it's not a blessing from heaven. It is one of the things that the Bible says in Deuteronomy 28, which is a curse, It said, called the curse of the law. It's not a blessing. 
And so sometimes you have to get that straight in your thinking that, you know, because people go, what is God? Why did God make me sick? Well, God doesn't make anybody sick. Jesus didn't make anybody sick. He healed. And so it's very important that we understand that. And I can't remember why I said all that because I didn't mean to say, oh, we believe in doctors. That's what I was saying. We believe in doctors. I believe doctors are fighting something that we are also fighting and they're using natural means. We're using spiritual means. But the sickness is the enemy, not, not the healing. That's not the enemy. The doctor's not the enemy. I, so I believe in doctors. I believe in good accountants. I believe in having a budget. Say amen. amen. Speaking of a budget, Dave Ramsey starts this Thursday. We had to cancel last Thursday because of a snowstorm. But this Thursday at the Destiny Center, Dave, raise your hand. He's leading the Dave Ramsey course at the Destiny Center on Thursday night at 630 at 6.30. So please come and learn how to budget your money so you, uh, uh, I was going to say something harsh, but I'll say it real nice. So you have a more peaceful life. <laughs> so come on Thursday night. But anyway, so I, we believe in budgets. We believe in all exercise. We believe in eating right, good habits. How many of that's true? We believe in all that. But some situations just won't change unless you approach them from a spiritual standpoint. I mean, for, for example, you can't even be a Christian unless you approach it from a spiritual standpoint. Because being a Christian is a, takes place when you're born again. And Jesus, when he defined born again, he said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So he said, when you become a Christian, you don't learn your way into Christianity. You have this experience Christianity is an experience-based religion. I hate to use the word religion, but it's experience-based. It starts when you have this born-again experience. When you receive Christ into your life, something happens to you because something's wrong with you. Thank you for that one amen. What is that wrong with you? You're in sin and you can't save yourself. That's what's wrong with you. And so when Jesus comes, when he comes into our life, he changes us and we have a spiritual rebirth. We are born of the Spirit of God and there's something that changes, shifts inside of us. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And now you are a child of God. You are born again. You have a, a spirit inside of you that's alive unto God and you can communicate and fellowship with God. And so, some situations are spiritual in nature. And then as you go through your Christian life, you're going to have to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and follow the principles of scriptures in your life in order to be, be blessed by God. I want you to look at this verse here. In Matthew chapter 13, in verse 11. Now, let, let me just say this, because this is where it gets a little bit, uh, it gets hard here. Because um, when we talk about having God's best in our lives, everybody has experienced a certain degree of failure, even as a Christian. How many know that's true? Everybody has. And I mean, when you talk to people, and a lot of times you see somebody who is a wonderful Christian who dies of cancer or dies of some sickness. And so then we go, well, it must not be God. We, we base our theology on somebody's experience. We say it must not be God's will because this person 
who's a wonderful Christian, if it was God's will, they wouldn't have died. And, you know, I told you last week about my mom. She was a spiritual person. She was a prayer warrior. She moved in the gifts of the Spirit. She's a great lady. She's an awesome lady. And you that knew her will testify to that fact. But she died er earlier than she should have. And the good news is she went to heaven. I think she could have stayed here longer, but I think it was her decision to go home, so she went home. But, um, but the point is, is just because uh, you're a good person doesn't mean that you won't be attacked. And, and if you want to have God's best, in a sense, you have to contend for it. You have to contend for God's best. And if, you don't, if you're unwilling to contend for it, then you're not going to have God's best. But the first point is you've got to believe that God wants you to have the best. If you don't believe that, then you're definitely not going to contend for it. You're going to develop what I call the Doris Day theology. How many remember Doris Day? Some of you, some of you young people don't remember Doris Day. Doris Day, she was this actress, and she sang this song, Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. So, okay, so rah, so rah. So basically what you do is you just kind of, whatever happens, you're like this tumbleweed. And you're just kind of there. And you're like, oh, oh, now we're flowing over here. We're bumping along over here. Oh, now we're bumping along over there. Hey, okay, so rah, so rah. And we never, ever get to the point where, as Paul said, put on the full armor of God. And having done all to stand, stand against all the works and the, the, the schemes of the enemy. And so there's, there's Christians, we as Christians, have to learn to first put our armor on. It's called God's armor. And then we have to take a stand against things that are clearly not of God. This is not of God. And so we have to take a stand against those things. It's interesting that the sword in that armor thing, the sword... It's called the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that is the word of God that comes out of your mouth. That's the sword. That's what Jesus used when he, when he was being tempted by the devil in the wilderness. He's turned to Satan. He said, it is written, Satan. Well, if the son of God used the spoken word, it is written, Satan, to, against the enemy, don't you think we should do that too? We should use that same weapon against the enemy, the spoken word, to speak. It is written, and we should know it is written. So we should know what is written, right? If you go, I don't know what is written, well, then you're a soldier without a sword, right? And you need a sword. You definitely need a sword, so you need to know what is written. That's why we're, this year we're reading through the New Testament. I'm making a lot of advertising pitches in this sermon. That's why this year we're reading through the New Testament. We should read through the whole Bible, but some people haven't read much of the Bible. So we're taking just the New Testament. We're reading through it every day today together as a church. So what did we read yesterday? What was it? Nine. I think it was Acts 9. We were on Acts 9. We went through all the way through John. Now we're in Acts 9. So all of us should be reading those scriptures. Why? Because that is our sword, and we need to become familiar with our sword so that when we are attacked, we can say, It is written against the enemy. How many can see what I'm saying? So important because there is a fight that we are involved in. Whether you realize that or not, it's, it's, there is a fight. Now, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 13. Let me get in my sermon here. That was all my introduction. That took a lot longer than I thought. 
Matthew chapter 13 and verse 11, it says, He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. It's given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but unto them it is not given. Now what had happened here, Jesus had just given them the parable of the sower and the seed or the the sower sows the word. I mean, that parable, remember, you guys remember it. And he says the seed falls on different types of ground. The seed falls on different types of ground. That's different people's lives the seed falls on. And so he just given them that parable. Now he says to them, they asked him about the parable. And he said, it's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Now they understood when he said kingdom of heaven, that wasn't something like, what's that? That was something they were waiting for. They were waiting for the kingdom of heaven to appear. They had a promise in Daniel chapter 2 where God said in the days of those kings, uh, God shall, the God of heaven shall raise up a kingdom and it shall smash all these other kingdoms and then it shall grow and this kingdom shall grow until it fills the whole earth, a mighty mountain until it fills the whole earth. And so they were looking for that kingdom. Now they had their own interpretation of what that was. And the Messiah would come and they were wondering if Jesus was him and that he, they saw him as a conquering king, that he would come as a, with, a, with a physical sword and do warfare and set up a physical kingdom. But Jesus kept uh, changing their ideas about that, saying it's not a physical kingdom, it's a spiritual kingdom. And right now it's being proclaimed and people are pressing their way into it. But he says, it's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Now, the word mystery, I said this to you last week, the word mystery is not something that is unknowable. We say, well, it's a mystery. We sit around, it's a mystery. Because go back to that verse, it says, it's given unto you to know the mysteries. So he says, even though it's a mystery, he said, you, it's been given to you to know it, understand what it is. But unto them it's not given. But he said it's given unto you to know. So it's not something that's unknowable, but it's something that can only be known by the help or with the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so W.E. Vine, who's a, he's a Greek scholar. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I can read a concordance. Vine says that the word mystery is the operation of those hidden forces that either retard or accelerate the growth of the kingdom of God. There are some things that accelerate the growth of the kingdom, and there are some things that retard it or keep it from growing. So what this verse is telling us is that there's hidden laws or hidden forces at work in your life. Now right now, how many feel, how many feel a pull on you to the earth? How many feel like you're being pulled to the earth right now? No, you don't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I mean, you don't really feel gravity, right? But how many know gravity's working on you? Gravity's working on you right now. How many of that's true? But you don't go like, oh my goodness, the gravity pull is really strong today. You don't do that. You don't walk around and go, boy, whoo, I can really feel it. Boy, I'm feeling the gravity right now. You just walk around, gravity is working on you, right? It's a law that's affecting, has an effect upon your life. What most people don't understand, there's other laws or principles or forces that are working on your life. And here's what happens. 
When people are ignorant of spiritual laws, what happens is it doesn't mean they don't work. They still work. Even if you're ignorant of them, it doesn't mean, if you're ignorant of gravity, they say uh, Sir Isaac Newton, he discovered gravity. He did, I mean, he, I mean how, how hard was that to discover? I mean, come on. I mean, here we are. I mean, obviously we're not floating around. I mean, how hard is it to discover? I mean, I'm sure it was some more elaborate that he discovered about gravity. But, but gravity is something that works in, in the natural. God created it. But there are also spiritual principles that work against your life. So it's sort of like this. Neil, come up here a minute, Neil. Sort of like this. This is the way. Let me try to explain it to you using Neil here. So stand right here, Neil, in front of me. So it's sort of like this. Let's say Neil here. Let's say he, he's praying that he will go east. East is this way, Neil. East is this way. So let's say he's praying that he'll go east, so turn east. But he's released. So his prayer is, I want to go east, because that's the, where the blessing is. But, his pray, but, but the, the th he's praying that way. But what he's doing unconsciously, he's, he's releasing forces that's pushing him west. And they're, they're unhid, they're hidden. He doesn't see them. He doesn't realize them. He doesn't even recognize them. But he wants to go east, and he's even praying east, but all of a sudden his life's going west. He's going, I don't understand why my life's going west. Don't go any further. <laughs> he goes, it's like a mystery, mystery. There's like a hidden force pushing me in this direction. Even though I'm praying and I'm facing, I want to go that direction. Unconsciously, they... He, he has released a force in his life that's pushing him in the wrong direction. He doesn't see it. He doesn't feel it. But it's almost like a hand, that invisible hand, pushing him in the wrong direction. See, the Bible says, you can go, see, thank you. The Bible says, he that will, let's think about this verse in 1 Peter. He that will love life and see good days. How many want to love life and see good days? He that will love life and see good days. How many know what the next verse says? Let him reframe his tongue from speaking evil and his lips from guile. Let him eschew evil, turn it back on evil, and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it for the eyes of the Lord over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. So let me say it like this. You can say, Lord, I pray for this, but then if you don't do something about your tongue, what you say your prayer can be one thing, but your tongue is pushing you in the other direction. By un unknowingly, you unleash something with your tongue. That's why in James chapter 3, it says the tongue is like the rudder of a ship. It'd be like the, it'd be like the, it also says it's like the bridle of a horse. Let me tell you about a bridle of a horse. They say, well, the horse will go follow the bridle. Not all horses do. I got a lot of horror stories about horses. I remember one time I was riding a quarter horse. I, this is not part of my sermon, but I was riding a quarter horse. You guys need a story break. So I was riding a quarter horse and we were going down a gravel road where the horse didn't want to run on the gravel. There's a, there was a small section about a foot wide between the gravel and the steep ditch. And that small section about a foot wide is where this horse wanted to run. And so here I am with this horse that, and so they said, well, use the bridle. So I had the horse's head turned like this. I'm not making this up. 
I had the horse's head turned this way, but he kept running straight. So we're like this. So I got to take issue with James chapter three. But my point is, he said, he said, the ship is though so great, yet it's steered by what? A rudder, which is what? Your tongue, your words, what comes out of your mouth. So you could say, you could say, Lord, I just pray for this blessing. Then, then when you talk during the, during the day, you're going, I don't understand why nothing ever works out. We never have enough money. We never, we're always short. We always have more month than, than money. And, and we go continually speaking something else. What's happening, an invisible hand is pushing you based on the, the forces that you released. See, in the Old Testament, the, the, the presence of God primarily was shut up in the holies of holies. But in the New Testament, what does Paul say? Paul says, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. See, God moved out of that holies of holies and he moved into inside of you. Now when Paul talks about you, he says, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. How many would agree with that verse so far? Beyond what we ask or think. God is able to do beyond what we could ask or think. But you know what the last part says? According to the power that works in us. Paul said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Where is God's address? Well, we say it's in heaven. It's right here. You say, are you sure about that? That's what the Bible says. God left that. He moved inside of you and he moved inside of me. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Christ, by his Holy Spirit, lives inside of us. And so now what he's done is he's given us the ability to understand spiritual principles so that we can operate in, in, in agreement or consistent with these laws or principles of the kingdom instead of operating opposite to them. See, if you get opposite to the kingdom of God, these principles they're going to work against you and not for you. Amen? See, the mistake that, I realize this maybe sound deep, I don't know, but the mistake that we make sometimes is that we think that God, everything that happens to us, somehow God has orchestrated it. And God does not orchestrate everything that happens to you. I mean, God's got a grand plan, but whether or not you fit into it, it depends on what you do, what you believe, the decisions that you make, the choices that you make, the words that come out of your mouth, those are all, they all play a part in whether or not you have God's best in your life. Now, here's what's interesting. I've kind of got off my sermon here a little bit, but, um, and so really, you can't, if you want God's best, let me say it like this. If you want God's best, you can't detach yourself from God during the week and then expect to have God's best. It takes a persistent pursuing after the things of God and God. And if you don't do that, you're just not going to have God's best. Because here's the thing. You know, Jesus used this parable. He used the parable of the sower and the seed. And he talked about the different types of ground. See, the seed, it's the same seed. And it will produce a hundredfold if it's in the right ground, in the right atmosphere. But if you put that same seed and you put it on hard ground, it's not going to produce a hundredfold. 
You put it on stony ground, it's not going to produce a hundredfold. You put it on thorny ground or in thorny ground, it's not going to produce a hundredfold. The seed is the same. Scripture is the same. Scripture is powerful. It's powerful. But if you put it in different environments, it produces different results or it doesn't produce any result at all. So what I have power over, I have power over the ground. I'm the ground. I have power over that. I have I, I make a decision whether I'll be good ground or not. I make that decision by how distracted I am or by how, how focused I am. And so you, you decide that. But God wants his word to produce results in your life. He wants his, he doesn't give a scripture promise for the promise just to, to just, you know, amount to nothing. He wants it to produce results in your life. So if, if a ground, if the ground could speak, if the ground could speak in which the seed was sown, here's what the ground would say. The ground would say, the seed is working mightily in me. The, the ground would say, there's something going on inside of me. So that tells you something. Before scripture affects your environment, it first affects you. If it doesn't affect you, it's not going to affect your environment. The, what makes prayer work, scriptures make prayer work. Prayer doesn't make scripture work. S- scripture makes prayer work. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words, words abide in you, ask whatever you want and it shall be done unto you. The scriptures make prayers work because what happens is we begin to pray out of the overflow of the heart. So in other words, we like, we say like the the, the ground says, we say like the ground says, the seed is working mightily in me. I mean, you know, I used to do this, you know, I'm old now. So, but when I was a young man, I used to, you know, I, 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 I still meditate in scripture, but I would meditate in scripture sometimes and I had, I had the scripture blaring on my cassette deck. Remember cassette players? Remember those? I had a cassette deck in my, my car. And I'd have the scriptures, some guy read me the scriptures. Sometimes, listen to this, sometimes I'd get so excited. I'd be driving down the car. I'd get so excited, I'd actually pull over. Of course, I do live in the country. I'd actually pull over and have a little hooping time around my car. Woo! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Woo, man, that is good. Sometimes I'd have somebody preaching the word and I'd get so excited. I'd, I, had to, I had to stop the tape and get out and just, woo, walk around and go, Phew. whoa, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying like the ground is saying, the word is working mightily in me. In other words, something is happening inside of me, something shifting on the inside of me. That is the beginning. That is the beginning of seeing something change in your environment. See, we want, we want to be unaffected. I don't want my heart to be affected. I like me just the way I am. But you and Jesus are incompatible. And Jesus doesn't change. So what does that mean? You have to. But you don't change yourself. You change. You let the word, let grace, let the word, let the spirit of God change you. 
But what happens is when you receive the word, like maybe, maybe today before this is over, I, I, my time's up, I realize that. I got my feet on the brake pedal, but let me just finish this thought. Maybe before this is over, maybe you will be excited. Maybe you'll be like, woo, go out here, woo, man, the word is working mightily inside of me. Because when Jesus, when, you know, when he was after his resurrection and he was going on the way to Emmaus and the two, two disciples were going, they're walking along there. And Jesus all of a sudden comes up to him and said, what are you guys talking about? And they said, we're talking about Jesus of Nazareth. And then it says he opened up the scriptures to them and he told them how Christ must suffer these things, but that he would raise again from the dead. And then he sat down, ate with them, and when he broke bread, their eyes were open. They saw it was him, and then he disappeared. And this is what they said. Did not our hearts burn within us as he spoke the word to us? See, it wasn't just some intellectual ex explanation about Scripture. It was something that was life-giving. It was something that was affecting their lives. If it doesn't affect your life, if it doesn't affect you, it's never going to affect your circumstances. When it starts affecting you and then you start getting full of it, turn to your neighbor and say, you're full of it. You know that? I hope you are. When it starts affecting you, you get full of it, full of it. See, the Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you. You guys all know it. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. How? Let the word of Christ dwell in you. And then he goes on to sing in psalms, hymns, spiritual song, singing, making melody in your heart unto the Lord. So you go around going, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He making me. You know, he start, he just let it dwell in you richly. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Ephesians says, be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord. So he's, what he's trying to say is walk around. You know, it's possible to do that. It's walk around, walk around full all the time. But here's my point. My point is, people go, why aren't my prayers answered? My question is, is the word affecting you? Is it affecting you? You say, no, it's not affecting me. Why would you try to pray then to change a circumstance if it isn't changing you? It changes you first. When it changes you, it changes you first. It starts going, wow. You become fully persuaded. Then when you pray, it goes out of you. You release something that starts changing circumstances around you. Isn't that good news? Well, I got to quit. I had a bunch of things I was going to tell you. That was, that was the brill cream, a little dabble, do you? See, some of younger people don't know what that is. All us men used to use brill cream, a little dabble, do you? Let's all stand together. I want us to receive an offering this morning.
and I want you to, I want you to receive this from me. I, I believe God spoke to me and told me to do it this way, so I'm going to do it this way. Especially if you need a financial breakthrough, I want you to receive this offering, or receive this blessing. Amen. So if the ushers would please help me, if you're giving cash with like a receipt, just slip your hand up. One of these ushers would give you an offering envelope. Amen. Praise God. Let's just take a moment. Let's just pray. Ask God what he wants you to do in this offering. Just bow your heads for just a moment. We'll take 60 seconds. Just ask God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody got it set? Let me just say this. See, the ground determines if there will be a harvest. It also determines how big the harvest will be. Ground, sandy ground, as opposed to big, rich, black dirt, you'll get a different harvest. Around here, there's a lot of sandy ground. It gets maybe 40 bushels an acre, soybeans. If you go somewhere else, they'll get 200 bushels an acre. It de- the ground determines if there'll be a harvest. If it's sown on concrete, there'll be no harvest. It determines if there'll be a harvest. It also determines how how big the harvest will be. But the, the seed determines what will the harvest be. If it's a corn seed, it won't produce wheat. It'll produce corn, right? It's not, it's not that hard, understand. The same is true With scripture, a promise is like a type of seed. A healing verse is like a corn seed. What does a corn seed produce? Corn. What does a healing verse produce? Healing. It produces after its kind. If it's a healing verse, it produces healing. If it's if it's a prosperity verse, if it's a verse about peace or a verse about joy, if it's a verse about reconciliation, whatever, about your family being saved, whatever the verse is, it produces after its kind if it's sown in good ground. Doesn't that make sense? It's not that hard, is it? It's not that hard to figure. God created the natural world and he created the spiritual world. He created verses to produce after their kind. So someone says, well, I I know it says that, but I I don't experience that. Well, you can. You stay with it. It's seed time growing the stem, the branch, the fruit, the ripe fruit, then the harvest. A lot of times we get a little bit of stem growing. We go, I don't know why it isn't working. Then all of a sudden it's like it starts to wither. Takes time. 
The law of the farm rules the kingdom of God. It takes time. But you know what? Start now. You'll get there. Isn't that good news? You'll get there. If you start now, you'll get there. Don't wait until you need a harvest to start planting seed. Start now. Let your heart, like right now, what is the condition of your heart? If, if, you, if your heart is filled with fear, I know I got to quit right now, but let me just finish this. If your heart is filled with fear, obviously fear is the opposite of faith. That's not a good condition for the seed to work in. Now it can change your heart. The seed will change your heart, but you need to get that fear out. You know, there's a verse in Philippians that says, and nothing terrified by your adversary, which to them is a token which is an evident token of their perdition and of your salvation. See, when, I'm, when my heart is full of faith, that's an evident token of my enemy's perdition, their destruction, and of my salvation. Amen? It's an evident token. It's a sign that what's on the, what's on the horizon is your enemies, whatever it is, it's going to be destroyed and you're going to be lifted up. You're going to be saved or delivered out of this situation. See, what I'm trying to say is it affects you first. It affects you first. When it affects you first, what you're saying is the word or the seed is working mightily in me. If you wait, you say, I don't know what God's doing. I mean, he's out there. I don't know what he's doing. He's sitting on his throne somewhere. I'm not sure what he's doing. What's he doing in you? What's happening inside of you? Because he, respond, he will respond to you. Does that make sense? So let's take our offering in our hand. And let's, let's put the offering buckets up here. So just put them up here somewhere. I want you to bring your offering today. And I want a couple of people just to come, some of the prayer people. Trish, why don't you, can you come over here? Let's just let, as you bring your offerings today, I'm just going to lay my hands on you and my wife is going to lay her hands on you and we're just going to speak a blessing. How's that sound? Does that sound okay? If you don't want to be prayed over, what? I'm not going to pray a long prayer because our time's up. And, um, but I'm just going to speak a blessing over you, all right? Just, you are blessed. Let's do it. Come on, let's go pray something. Lord, we just bless this couple right now with prosperity. We, we break every curse over their finances right now in the name of Jesus. We just speak a blessing over her finances right now. We just speak a blessing right now. The curse is broken. We speak a blessing over their finances. We speak increase over their lives. Increase in Jesus' name. We just speak a blessing over your finances right now in the name of Jesus. There'll no longer be any lack in your house in the name of Jesus. We just speak a blessing. We speak a blessing over your finances right now in the name of Jesus. What you have sown, we declare, will come back to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. We speak a blessing over your finances right now. You'll never lack for any good thing. Your house will be blessed in Jesus' name. I speak a blessing over your finances right now. There will be no lack. God will give you the desires of your heart supernaturally. I speak a blessing over your finances right now. I speak increase, increase in Jesus' name. Promotions, bonuses, in the name of Jesus, a blessing over your finances. I speak a blessing over your finances right now that you shall never lack 
but God shall open the windows of heaven over your life and pour out a blessing till there's not room to receive it. Hallelujah. Every detail, every detail, I declare that you will, you will solve problems as a king and a queen in the house of God. Hallelujah. I declare a blessing over your finances in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I speak a blessing over your finances. Increase, abundance is yours in Jesus' name. I speak a blessing. I speak abundance over your household. Every need met in Jesus' name. I speak a blessing that passes on to your children, your children's children in the name of Jesus. I speak increase. Okay, I speak increase over your life and over the Pishki's life in Jesus' name. Increase and abundance in Jesus' name. I speak abundance. No longer, no longer any lack. The spirit of lack is broken. The windows of heaven are opened up over your life in Jesus' name. I speak a blessing over your finances in the name of Jesus. Every seed that you're sowing is coming up producing abundant harvest in your life in Jesus' name. God bless you. I speak a blessing over your finances, over your family. This godly couple, Lord, I just speak a blessing that they will increase. And that increase and that blessing will go from generation to generation down the, through his, their descendants in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. I speak a blessing over your finances right now that you'll never know any lack but you will have abundance in Jesus' name. I speak a blessing over your finances right now in Jesus' name, that God will give you opportunities to work and earn money, and it'll be productive in the name of Jesus. I speak a blessing over your finances. Every seed that you've sown will come back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You'll have an abundance. Hallelujah. up together. We went a little longer today than we planned, but praise God is good. Amen. How many learned anything? How many saw anything clearer than you've ever seen it before? Anybody? God bless you. A few of you did. Good. Awesome. Amen. I didn't make up this sermon. I preached the scriptures to you. And, you know, you sometimes when you read the Old Testament, 
you got to recognize that things change. We're under a new covenant. And uh, when Jesus came, things changed. And uh, you have to take Old Testament scriptures and, and filter it through what Jesus did. We're not offering animals anymore in sacrifice. Why? Because Jesus died. That's why. He's the last sacrifice. And we have to be open to what God's doing. Amen? Praise God. Well, I want to give you the opportunity to be prayed for. If you have another prayer request, just have the altar counselors please come forward at this time. We'll ask you to, uh, if you need, do need prayer for something other than what we've already prayed for, uh, please join us. Um, and then we have some refreshments in the back. So please join us for some refreshments. God bless you. Have an awesome week. And You're I free want you to, to know that he can give you today a new future. We hope this message has been a blessing to your life. A copy of this message and additional Destiny Church materials are available at destinychurchexit77.org.